This is Movies for the Blind, Episode 209, Judge Priest, Part 1 of 2. First thing I learned in politics was when to say ain't. <laughs> Welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. One of the most famous Americans and top box office draws of the early 20th century wasn't a handsome movie star known for daring do. He was a plain-looking, plain-talking, real cowboy with a few rope tricks. Will Rogers came from Oklahoma Territory from Cherokee Indian parents, and after much traveling, found himself a popular star on stage, mainly for what he was saying while twirling his rope. Among those things, Americans will feed anyone who's not close to him. Letting the cat out of the bag is a lot easier than putting it back in. People who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. And be thankful we're not getting all the government we're paying for. He became the country's leading humorist, a monologist before there was stand-up comedy, a prolific writer, and an actor. His roles weren't too far off from his real-life persona, laid-back and quick-witted. So when Hollywood made a movie based on popular stories by Irvin S. Cobb of a laid-back, quick-witted Kentucky judge, Rogers seemed the perfect fit. Now, keep in mind, this is a movie made in the Hollywood of the 1930s about the American South not long after the Civil War. So there are depictions of and references made to African-American people, which are no longer acceptable, for good reason. I'll talk more about that in the next episode. From 1934, this is Judge Priest. Peering out over a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Here. A man bangs a gavel. Court's call to order. He returns to reading the paper. Fox Films presents Will Rogers in Irvin S. Cobb's Judge Priest, produced by Saul M. Wurzel, with Tom Brown, Anita Louise, Henry B. Waffle, David Landau, Michelle Hudson, Roger Imhoff, Frank Melton, Charlie Grapewin, Burton Churchill, Brenda Fowler, Francis Ford, Hattie McDaniels, and Stepin Fetchett. Directed by John Ford. Screenplay Dudley Nichols and Lamar Trotty, based on Irvin S. Cobb's character of Judge Priest. Photography George Snyderman. Sound Albert Protzman. Music Cyril J. Mockridge. Musical director Samuel Kalin. Trees have budded in the square of a small town. The figures in this story are familiar ghosts from my own boyhood. The war between the states was over. But its tragedies and comedies haunted every grown man's mind, and the stories that were swapped took deep root in my memory. There was one man down yonder I came especially to admire, for he seemed typical of the tolerance of that day and the wisdom of that almost vanished generation. I called him Judge Priest, and I tried to draw reasonably fair likenesses of him and his neighbors and the town in which he lived. An old Kentucky town in 1890, Irvin S. Cobb. In circuit court, Judge William Pittman Priest presiding. Your Honor, there is no doubt in the mind of the Commonwealth that this prisoner is a confirmed chicken thief. He has no place in this God fearing community, he is a vagrant. 
He cometh from no man knows when. The judge reads the paper, looking at a chaotic cartoon. He has been known to do no honest work. The Commonwealth of Kentucky asks, yea, demand that he be a judge guilty. The bald black defendant dozes on a bench. Six months on the chain gang. The judge glances up from his paper. Hey, hey, boy, wake up there. Sheriff, wake him up there. If anybody's going to sleep in this court, it'll be me. Hey, wake up. The defendant does. Come here, boy. In overalls and a shirt too large, he stands and approaches the judge. What's your name? Poindexter. Poindexter? Who gave you that? Mr. Randy. Randy? You mean Major Randolph Poindexter from down at, uh, at Pine Bluff? Yeah, Pine Bluff. Uh, he points in the general direction. Well, the judge takes off his glasses. Looks like you uh, Poindexters is always getting mixed up with some chicken somehow. Uh, he looks toward the sparse gallery. Hey, Sergeant, it seems like uh, I recollect... Uh, you and Major Randy having some uh, connection with the flesh of the fowl at one time. Don't go if we didn't. You know, Major Randy was the fightingest soldier that ever chased the yank up a tree. You know, Billy, you and me put near starved that day when we were forging for a snack after the battle of Chickamauga. Chickamauga? No, no, it was a, it, it was the battle of Kennesaw Mountain. There's no such a thing of a chicken monkey. Oh, you're both wrong. I'm not wrong. It was the summer of 63. And we were just outside of Nashville. <laughs> no, Bill is right. I remember. For us by there, Richard. Yes. Your Honor, the Commonwealth objects to this digression. Now, 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 Senator, you know, now, now the point is that, uh, that the major... Uh, he acted the part of, the, of a gentleman and a soldier, and he removed the temptation from out of our path by eating up all the fat hens in, in the whole bunch and leaving us nothing but a lot of old skinny Dominic roosters. You remember, boy? Come to think of it, Billy, they were Plymouth Rocks. There was no such a thing that was Yankee uh, kicking. There was Rhode Island Reds. Well, I know, because I could not get those Plymouth Rocks. Go Uh, what do you what do you charge with that boy? Nothing, Judge, but I wouldn't let them chickens show up. Huh? Just fishing. Fishing? Why was you fishing? Down Sleepy River. <laughs> there ain't no fishing Sleepy River. Oh, sir. Ain't neither. Four catfish. Talks <laughs> right, Jimmy. Yeah? So his wife focus. I can't put that catfish in there that long. There's your proof he's lying. Here, come here. What, what, what do you use for bait? Oh, I got a hunk of beef liver. Beef liver? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can take the That's beef right. liver and put it on the hook and chuck it out there. Let them have a fresh piece with nothing to see them. Then you put some more on that and chunk it out there. And then they think they're going to get that from nothing. And you, just, you catch them as long as you got the liver. Mm-hmm. And I go out there all the time and I don't care nothing with that liver. 
Later, the judge and Jeff walked down a road with long fishing poles over their shoulders. Yeah, I remember. Later, a black woman in a headscarf takes down laundry from a line. I got to take down the judge's clothes. Got to take them in the house. Yes, Lord. Got to get out that old line and board. Fix them up for the judge to wear. Mm, yes, Lord, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> a young man in a white suit hurries toward her. Praise the Lord, Mr. Room. Is you a hand or is you ain't? Hi, Aunt Delphi. How come you here? The judge say you up there at that college learn to be a lawyer, man. Aunt Delphi, I got stomach trouble. Law, happy white child. What them years he's been feeding you? Not a darn thing. That's the trouble. What have you got for supper? Mr. Rome, you stay here. Us is going to kill the high-stepness roost in the yard and a great big bowl of milk gravy and grits. And waffles? Don't you worry none, honey. You was home now. Miss Rome. Delcy walks toward the side door of the house. Then Rome turns. Hey, Uncle Billy! He runs to the judge playing croquet with Jeff picking up balls. Well, if it ain't Rome. <laughs> well, salt me down. What happened up there? Did uh, them Yankees kick you out of that law school? Huh? Sure they did, with a diploma. You're now looking at a full-fledged member of the bar. <laughs> Let me look at you. Mm. <laughs> full-fledged, my gizzard. Yeah, <laughs> lawyer. You know, you better get your britches half sold, because you're going to sit around a long time before you get your first client. <laughs> well, I don't mind, Uncle Billy. As the judge bends down a moment, Rome gets distracted somewhere else. Lord, I, I sat through two Republican administrations for... The judge follows his gaze to a blonde young woman trimming blossoms next door. Rome turns back to him. Who are you playing? Oh, I'm just doing a little practicing here for the championship. I got Jeff here. He's doing the retrieving for me. Uh, me and uh, Herman Felsberg is going to play against Jimmy Bagby and Doc Lake. Two of them balls down there, will you, Jeff? Jeff sets him down. I'm going to show you what had happened to Jimmy Bagby now. The judge puts his foot on one ball where he aims the mallet. Show you how far But turns it over to point. <laughs> Look at that Yankee shoe. <laughs> you got all that, Jeff? Rome's shoes have buttons on the sides. Yes, I've never seen shoes with buttons on them before. <laughs> I've seen pants, but... <laughs> the judge strikes the ball under his foot, sending the other ball far. Say, that's fine. Oh, uh, just uh, take your button shoes with you and just step that off and see just how far it is. All right, that's Uncle about Phil. a record. One. Rome two. paces in the ball's direction through bushes into the next yard, where the young woman stands on a ladder. Hello. Rome. He steps toward her as she sits on a rung. Glad to see me. Why, I thought you were still up north. Uh, I got in this morning. He leans on the ladder. How'd you know I was back here? Well, I didn't, but Uncle... But... He looks at the blossoms she holds. Why, you, you look pretty with those things. Isn't this a lovely spray? Mm-hmm. Now, young lady, I want to ask you a question. Please let me down, Rome. Miss Gillespie, will you please tell this court why you didn't answer my letters? I've got to go in. Really, I have. Now, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you. You know why. All I know is that you've... Changed since I went away. 
Well, that isn't it, Rome. It's, it's just that we've grown up. You mean you don't like me anymore? Oh, Rome. Well, if my mother or anybody has said anything, oh, Ellie May, I mean, well, I'm old enough to choose my own friends. Please let me go. We've got to get this thing settled once and for all. I've got to go in. Really, I have. All right, then. I'm coming back tonight and find out what it's all about. You can't. I have an engagement. Who with? Fleming Talley. Mm. Well, how about tomorrow night? Oh, Rome, it's no use. All right. That's the way you feel about it. You can sit right there till we understand each other. In the judge's yard, Jeff picks up the balls. That's all right. That's all right. We don't uh, need no more practice for them old men. Besides, that uh, exertion calls for a jeweler. Yes, but you're going to wait for that young gentleman for you. Wait for him? Uh, Unless young folks has changed since I was skirmishing around. He won't be back for quite a while. He watches him. Look at that goat. Ain't that a pretty sight? What, that goat? Jeff points behind him. Ain't nothing pretty in the world than two young folks in love in the spring. What do about that goat? Oh, goat. My Lord, ain't you got any sentiment? Ain't you got no girl? Ain't you ever, wasn't you ever in love? Told us to stand around here talking about a goat or something. But your mint? What about my mint? He finally turns to see a goat munching his mint plants. Yeah. They chase it away with the judge grabbing a switch. Yeah. His chickens strut outside the front gate. Jeff shoots the goat out through it and stumbles after it. Arriving. Why, William Priest. Oh, hello, Carrie. This is a fine how do you do. What will the neighbors say? I'm ashamed of you. What's ailing you now? That gum goat come in here and eat up my mint bed there. I'll bet he must have been the ruination of a million juleps. You and your precious mint juleps. A circuit court judge. Where's your dignity? Dignity? <laughs> I don't reckon the priest family will ever have to worry about dignity as long as you're alive and kicking. Well, it's a good thing somebody in this family has pride. I always told my brother when he married you that he saved the family name. Well, if he were living, he wouldn't be fooling around the front yard with a goat. That's not what I came for. Have you seen Rome? Oh, Rome? Rome? Oh, uh, appears like I did see that uh, son of yours around here a while ago. I expect he's downtown, though, now. Uh, you know, strutting around, uh, showing off his button shoes. Now, don't you play possum with me. As if I didn't know you'd been encouraging that, that girl over there to set her cap for Rome. Carrie, Carrie. If I didn't know that you had the biggest heart of any woman in the world, I'd think you're the most suspicious creature that ever come down the pipe. Never mind that. You come up on the porch. I want to talk to you. She stalks to the porch. Well, next door, Ellie Mae's off the ladder gathering blossoms with Rome, both unsmiling. If I didn't know that's the way you felt about it, I wouldn't have hurried home so fast. I'm sorry, Rome. After all, you have your career, your family, and... Everything in the world that matters to you right here. I don't think you care what matters to me. That's not fair, Rome. After all, I'm... I'm only telling you for your own good. She walks off toward her house. While on his porch, the judge sips a julep. William, I'm not a woman to beat about the bush. This business of Rome and that girl next door has got to stop. What do you got against Ellie May? She's an awful sweet girl, seems to me. She's got gumption and she teaches school and... Support herself? I don't want to be unkind. She may be a very nice girl and all that. But after all, 
Rome is one of the Kentucky priests. And the name of priest means something in Kentucky. Well, I've, I've never heard that it meant intolerance. It means good stock and family pride. You know the kind of stock she comes from. In a rocking chair, he puts his feet up. Yeah, her, uh, her ma come to this town penniless and died, giving birth to Ellie May. I remember the night. She was a frail little woman. Uh, wasn't any bigger than Ellie May is now. And uh, just as pretty. But who was her father? Well, uh, nobody don't uh, rightfully know. Well, family may not mean anything to you, but it means a whole lot to me. I'm not going to have my grandchildren come into the world under a cloud. You uh, haven't by any chance picked uh, Hard Maydew as a grandpappy, have you? Oh, I know you've never liked Senator Maydew. But you can't say anything against his folks. They've got money, they're an old family, and Virginia's a lovely girl. She's always been crazy about Rome. He could do a lot worse. Well, I guess uh, me and Rome, we ain't got anything to say about it. I knew you'd come around to my way. They stand. You're going to, uh, you're going to stay for supper, ain't you, Carrie? Not tonight, thank you, William. The daughters of the Confederacy are having a chicken supper at Cape Maydews, and I'm late already. Looks like you daughters get more ferocious every year towards Yankees and uh, fried chicken. <laughs> Got your badge on there. Yes. Mighty pretty. <laughs> Good night, William. Carrie steps off the porch. Sometimes I, uh, I think you women got more badges and medals out of the soldiers did. Good night, Carrie. Later on the porch, he sits with Rome. Listen, that old whipple uh, calling his mate. Him and his kin has been nesting around here for now on 30 years. A lonesome kind of sound, isn't it, Uncle Billy? Mm, Tis so. You know, the good Lord never meant for nobody, either man or bird. Live by the cell. Uncle Billy, why didn't you come and live with us after Aunt Margaret died? Oh, what? Puts his feet up on the porch rail. I never could stand him all cooking. <laughs> the judge notices Ellie May step out on the porch next door. Oh, fine. Swing over there on that other porch. I wouldn't be surprised if they ain't pretty girl sitting in it now. He's got another fella tonight. She sits on the swing. Ellie May sure is pretty. Well, it gets her, will certainly have to do some prancing, he can't sit around and look glum all the time. Rome turns to the street. There he is now. Who? That phlegm tally. The barber? Yeah. The judge rubs his chin. Gives off a poor shave. Phlegm rides up in a one-horse buggy. Whoa, buddy. In a striped suit and boater hat, he steps out to secure his horse, then turns to Ellie May's porch. Yeah, I am, honey. Yes, yes, yes. He heads up the walk as the priests listen. Rome stands and paces. The judge gets up too. Uh, son, uh, there ain't nothing, old. 
Get your mind off women folks like work. Will you run back in my library there and get my old Kentucky code of statues? Rome goes inside. It's, uh, it's an old calfskin book up on the top shelf there. Yes, 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 yes. It gets me that brain there. Long years. I'm just going to see if I can stop him. He steps off the porch on the swing. Gabby Rives and Joe Herringer, you know, the boys that work for me down at my barber shop. Well, they comes to me tonight and... Wants me to go over to Old Town. Some high-flying gals over there. But I tells them no. I can have all the fun I want right here at home. He gets an arm around her shoulder. Now, guess who I was talking about? Couldn't I? Couldn't I make you some lemonade? Lemonade? Sure, honey. He pulls out a bottle. And I got something to sweeten it with. Right out of the mountains and... Kicking like a mule. <laughs> she extricates herself from the swing and hurries into the house. Flem settles back on the swing, where he drops his hat and opens the bottle. As he drinks, yeah, oh yeah, he overhears. You see anything, Mister Flem Tallis? He sits up. All the men around here. No, what'll he be doing around here? I, I don't know, Judge, but. But they're headed this way for him. What are you talking about? Who's they? He listens nervously. Uh, Some lady's pappy, two-barrel shotgun. He said Mr. Talley's been messing around. He sure is in a killing mood. Well, you mean that uh, he's going to annihilate him? On the other side of the bushes, the judge talks to himself. No, so he he does does gonna shoot it. That's all. Ain't a thing that I can do about it. Uh, My job don't stop until uh, they've got him all uh, laid out in the. Flem gets his hat. Full of buckshot, cold and dead, and uh, ready for burial. Then then I steps in. But, but uh, you, you, Judge, you as the law. Oh, I can't do a thing about it, as I said before, until the shooting is over. Flem glances around. And, uh, then I'll certainly see that the uh, murderer gets a fair trial. Flem bolts from the swing, jumps into the buggy, and takes off. Watching, the judge giggles. In the priest's house, Rome searches the library with a hurricane lamp, which he sets down and blows out. Then he walks out of the room with no book and meets the judge on the porch. Uncle Billy, I couldn't find that book anywhere. What book? That Kentucky law book. Oh, maybe I didn't have one. Ellie May is waiting for you over there. What? Rome turns that way. I, 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 how do you know? Are you sure? Now, don't be standing here like a jaybird gawking when I tell you she's waiting. Go on out of here and go. He runs off. When Ellie Mae returns with a tray of lemonade, she finds the empty swing. Shrugging, she sets the tray on a table as Rome arrives. She turns to him. And he takes her hand, kissing her forehead. On the priest porch... Jeff sits on the steps playing harmonica while the judge sits in his rocking chair. The judge stands, ambles forward, and looks up toward the whippoorwill. He hooks his thumbs in the armholes of his vest. Mighty poor company on a night like this. He steps toward the front door. 
The judge goes into the house and soon after enters a bedroom with a patchwork quilt covering the bed. He glances at it uneasily as he walks along it across the room, then runs his hand over his face and the back of his head, scratching the top of his head. He steps toward a window and looks out of it. He peers more intently. Down at Rome and Ellie Mae, walking hand in hand through her yard. The judge turns away and smiles, looking down at the floor. He scratches his head again and looks out the window again. He sees a different young couple, the girl in a hoop skirt and the boy in a military uniform. She tends to his buttons. The judge steps away from the window and toward a bureau. Digging into his jacket pocket, he gets a match and strikes it off the bottom of his shoe. He lights a candle on the bureau, illuminating a framed picture on the wall of a woman and two children, a boy and a girl. Winding his pocket watch, the judge looks up at the picture and gazes at it. Been a long time, honey, since... He turns away. You and the... baby? Went away? He takes off his jacket. Oh, uh, 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 Rome come home tonight? He lays the jacket on a trunk at the foot of the bed. Little... Little Robert E. would have been... He'd have been just the same age as, uh, as Rome is now. With his vest unbuttoned, he sits on the trunk and takes off his shoe. I guess it's Rome coming home. What makes it seem more lonesome than ever around here? He stands and looks up at the picture. Honey, you know that... That fellow that uh, he, he enlarged that tin type, he, he sure did a sure did a pretty job. <laughs> I wish you could see it, honey. He sits again. Then he puts the shoe back on, stands, and pulls on his jacket again. He picks up a folding chair. And runs a finger over the frame. See that, that fella put that gilt on there was regular humbug. He rubs a rag over it and blows out the candle. Get that fixed. Glancing at the bed, he leaves the room. Later, he walks through a graveyard. He pauses, looking around. Mm-hmm. Honey, it sure is a pretty night. He unfolds the chair. Been awful late spring. Better than when I've seen the flowers looking better this time of year. He stands by a gravestone from Margaret Breckenridge Priest, departed 1871. The judge sits and empties his pipe. People are funny things. Always oh, got their eyes set on something. 
Rome, he's got his eyes set on Ellie May, and Carrie, she's got hers set on old Hard Maydew's daughter, Rome. He loads up new tobacco. Hard, he's got his eyes set on my job. Some of them's gonna be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Them honeysuckles sure do smell sweet. Seem like I just can't get my nose full enough of them. He notices a man walking on a trail nearby, carrying a small bunch of flowers. Oblivious to the judge, the man pauses and looks down. The judge watches. That burn, honey. There's Bob Gillis over that grave. Gillis looks at the flowers and sets them down on the ground. It's at Ellie May's mother's. Next day, with Jeff riding beside him, the judge drives a buggy past chickens to an old man on a chair. The judge climbs down. Hi, Jimmy. Hello, Billy. He cleans a rifle. Buddy, what are you doing there? Thinking on getting called to the colors again? Hello, Gillis. Hello. In a stable, he tends to a pony. Never know what them Yanks is going to do. <laughs> We licked him once, and I'm keeping old dead eye ready in case we, case we got to do it again. Say, uh, better look at old uh, General Forrest there. Think he's gonna need a little shoeing pretty soon. Well, I'm, I'm mighty busy right now, Billy, shoeing them two horses over there. Hey, Bob, we better take a look at the judge's horse or something. <coughs> Petting the pony, who has a leg in a splint and body in a sling, Gillis walks over to Jimmy. Who's opening a jug? Have a sniff, too. Then goes to the judge's horse. Good corn. You can smell the feet of the boy that plowed it. Jimmy takes a long swig. That breath of yours is like a hot mince pie. Where are you going? One fishing. Sleepy River. Sleepy River. Why don't you fish in the trough there? With Gillis. Need chewing? No. All right for a while yet. The judge looks at his arm. Hey, bad scar you got there. Bullet? Yeah. Get that in warm? No. Gillis pets the horse. Uh, folks say uh, you come up north. Must have got that up there. Gillis walks away. We'll talk to Jeff first, find out anything. The judge goes back to the buggy. Hey, wake up here. Jeff does, holding the reins. Well, come along, steal the horse, and leave you sitting here holding the line. Climbing in beside him and taking the reins, the judge gets the horse to back up and turn the buggy, then drives away. Later, outside a cabin by the river. All right, come on with that beef liver now. Oh, bait bag. Oh, this cute cabin. Jeff looks through a small basket. Hurry up now. Hello. Oh, gee, don't tell, don't tell me he ain't got it. Look like that little walked off by itself. Sitting with his pole. Lord. The judge reaches into a pocket. Oh, I'm going to catch any catfish and ain't got no bait. Take this dime now and hurry on back to town and get me that beef liver. All right, hurry up now. All right. Actually, running now. Jeff takes his shoes tied together around his neck and walks off barefoot. You gonna put your shoes on? Nothing. Save them in case my feet wear out. 
And then I have them. Much sitting around as you do. It won't be your feet that are out. Later, a sign announces an ice cream festival and candy pole at St. Gregory's Episcopal Church to benefit a United Confederate Veterans Reunion. Dilsey prepares the treats with other black women on a veranda as guests in their finery start arriving at a front yard lit with lanterns. Two little blonde girls curtsy to a reverend on the veranda. He shakes their hands and directs them to the treats. They curtsy again. The reverend greets a couple. Master Jesus wrote me Two little boys doff their hats to the reverend, who greets them, followed by two more boys with their mother. At the priest house, Jeff wears a furry coat and top hat. I got a hat and this good old pretty vest hanging up in there doing nothing. Fine. The judge enters his bedroom. Well, plate cake you, I thought I told you to stay away from that vest. Yeah, but judge, it got hung up on yeah, my... Yeah, you got another coat on there, too. Yes, but this old skunk coat... Skunk coat? I mean possum. What do you mean possum? Uh, rabbit. Rabbit? Say, uh, listen, every inch of that is raccoon. Better be raccoon. I took it off a rich Yankee. Now you get in there and put them things away from there. Better get on over that festival. Jeff retreats into the closet as the judge changes clothes. Later, he approaches the reverend. How are you, judge? Just out, reverend. Just out, look. I'm afraid it takes ice cream and cake to get you old soldiers out of the church. Yeah, if the Lord ever gets in the jam, why, uh, he knows who to call him. That's right. Going to church isn't everything there is to it. Evening, Senator. Good evening, Reverend. Uh, good evening, Judge Priest. Good evening, Lord. Maydew steps away, past children eating ice cream in bowls. There's one of our best church doors. Yes, it's, uh, it's surprising uh, how far some men will go to get a few votes. Too bad we, uh, we didn't get rid of him and get him off up to Congress there after him spending that uh, term in the state Senate. I understand he thinks you deprived him of that honor. Me? <laughs> Great Democratic Party and Thomas Jefferson. Evidently the senator doesn't see it that way. Tell me that his cases in your court have taken on the appearance of a personal feud now that he's a candidate for your job. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Ashby. But I am going to have to get out and do some mighty tall lectioneering, you know. Hart is a, he's a spellbinder in a, in a silver tongue from way back. I'm just a yeah, old country jink who kind of a baby kisser. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got much to offer the boys in the, in the way of rhetoric. I stand he doesn't approve of your grammar. My grammar? First thing I learned in politics was when to say ain't. <laughs> they walk off together as Jimmy, in his too small old uniform, tastes some ice cream. Speaking of ice cream, did I ever tell you about Shiloh? Yeah. Uh, wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. How did you hear this? A man with a full mouth looks for a spatoon. It was the eve before Shiloh. But gives up. And them orders had to get across the river to General Beauregard. What did I do? I took off my clothes and I stuffed the orders in my mouth and I plunged in. So it pitched dark. Well, sir, I was... Jimmy stops when Ashby arrives. Good evening. The men of the group nod to him. Swimming again, Jimmy? 
He walks on. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Right in the middle of the river. Yeah, yes, sir. There you're swimming in 12 miles to go yet. And there I was, swimming and swimming, diving under and around the Yankee gunboat. Yankee boats all around me. The judge arrives eating ice cream. And me dodging right in the gunboat. Yes, sir. Putting them gunboats in there is a new touch, ain't it, Jimmy? He walks on. Carrie and Rome approach a table. Hello, Rome. Hello. Now, don't you young people think you have to entertain us old folks? That's right. Uh, run along now. Uh, they're getting ready for the candy pull. Perhaps Rome has other plans. Oh, no, he hasn't. Carrie reinforces this with a look at Rome, who leaves with the young brunette. I declare, Virginia gets prettier every time I see her. <laughs> and I know you're happy to have Rome at home again. Oh, he's such a nice boy. Don't they look fine together? Look at them horrors. Maydew turns to the veranda. Ah, yes. You... Beauty, I remember when I first crossed the threshold of my young manhood and listened to the sweet murmurings of my heart. <laughs> His wife presents him with ice cream. <laughs> Ellie May is helping serve as Virginia steps up with Rome. <laughs> she serves Virginia. Double portion, please. You have a full portion there. Oh, but we can pay for it. Can't we, Rome? He looks away. And Ellie Mae serves more. Virginia ushers away Rome, who gazes at Ellie Mae until a crowd blocks him. At another table. I propose to conduct my campaign on a dignified basis. No personality. Others may censure the homespun manners of Judge Priest on the bench. Aha. Maybe eats a spoonful. Others may question the methods by which he has held political control of the county for a quarter of a century. Oh, gentlemen, merit alone will count in the forthcoming election. Walking by with Virginia, Rome needs some taffy. Where have you been keeping yourself, Rome? I think you've forgotten where I live. Nothing like that. She holds the taffy he pulls. Mother and Daddy are always teasing me about you. I tell them you don't care anything about me. Bet you have a girl up north. Well, even if I did have, haven't you got every boy in town on your string? Oh, those stick in the mud. They make me tired. Besides, I've been waiting for somebody else. He keeps folding and pulling the taffy. At the servant table, the judge sees Ellie May distracted. Attention. She turns. Say, what's the... What's the prettiest gal at the, at the festival here, moping around back here by herself, huh? You want some taffy, Judge? <laughs> I ain't much of a taffy puller. They turn toward Rome, who's glancing past Virginia. Well, on second thoughts, uh, you can give me a water, that, too. Right. Put the butter on your hands first. Oh. He gets soft butter from a bowl and rubs it on his hands. She hands him taffy. And with a grin, he heads for Rome and Virginia. Rome notices him walking by. Oh, Uncle Billy. Oh, oh. He turns to him. You ain't doing that right. Smell it. Here. Let me see your hand. You got no butter on there. No wonder. 
Here, here, let me show you. Put mine in. He combines sure. the taffies and relieves yeah. Rome. Go on up there. Run on up there and uh, put some more stickum on your hand there. Go on, right up there. All right, Uncle Billy. Rome hurries off as the judge folds and pulls with Virginia, who glances back. Here, now, that's, one, that's the thing. Candy pulling, you got to keep your mind right on it, right on it. Look at that's how you're getting it all on your hand. Keep your mind on what you're doing. She holds on, unsmiling. You're pulling candy with the champion candy puller of this neighborhood now. Beside the veranda, Rome signals to Dilsey to get Ellie Mae. She does, pointing Rome out behind a bush. Smiling, Ellie Mae wipes her hands takes off her apron and hands it to Dilsey as she sneaks off to Rome. He takes her hand, and they head toward the front gate. Rome gets some ice cream from another guest, and he opens the gate for Ellie Mae. They walk off together. Virginia's stuck with other young men in a mess of taffy. I think this is your fault. After the party, as her compatriots clean up, Dilsey carries a large basket of leftovers. In my old Kentucky One of them offers Dilsey hunks of cake, which she gladly accepts. Another woman shows her the contents of her smaller basket and continues on. Helping clean, Jeff reaches for the basket, but gets a stern look, so he steps away. Dilsey shows off her basket to three singing co workers. He points toward Ellie Mae and Rome, who look back, sitting together enjoying cake. Well, you can't get much more Kentucky than that without a few more horses and some college basketball. <laughs> Things look good with Rome and Ellie Mae right now, but Flem Tally the barber still has some trouble to make, and it'll come to a head in the judge's courtroom, which actually won't be the judge's courtroom. All that more in the conclusion of Judge Priest, next time on Movies for the Blind. Long before Pat Paulson in the 1960s and Stephen Colbert today, Will Rogers made his own comedic run at the U.S. presidency in 1928. He conducted his campaign only through writings in Life magazine every week as candidate for the anti-bunk party. His only campaign promise? If elected, he would resign. More than a few people thought he could have had a shot if he'd run for real, but on election day, he carried out his promise by declaring himself the winner and resigning. To find out more about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, or you can also find out about this podcast, Creative Commons License. The movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. 
Be back next week. Take care. Take care.